Hey there, sports history fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from PigskinDispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal of the positive football history. And we are celebrating the Rose Bowl and its uh, centennial anniversary of the stadium. Uh, and the game's gone on uh, quite a bit longer than that. And we have a historian that's going to talk to us about that. Uh, his name is Timothy P. Brown. You've heard him before here every Tuesday. And uh, Tim Brown, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to Looking forward to chatting. Love the Rose Bowl. I grew up a northern Midwesterner, Great Lakes sort of person. And so the Rose Bowl was near and dear to my, my heart as, uh, as a young man. Well, I, I can say the same thing being from the Great Lakes. It's always been an interesting uh, game in our household as well growing up. And, uh, you know, some great uh, things have happened. And, you know, cel- thanking you for uh, coming on and celebrating this uh, Rose Bowl 100 coming up, this uh, anniversary, and uh, get to talk a lot about the history of the game in the stadium this month, and we're glad that you could be a part of that. Yeah, looking forward to it. I actually, the Ohio State-Utah game was played there this year. I think it was on the first, right? Played on the first? I think whichever, it was. If it was played on the first or second, whichever day it was, I was there the next day. <laughs> so ah, okay. <laughs> I didn't get to see... Uh, see the game itself but you know did the stadium tour the next day with my family and so had a blast it was a great environment popcorn was a little bit cheaper that day i'm sure yeah yeah well <laughs> and there was uh all the glitter and and uh whatever you know stuff that you could find and but it was actually pretty well cleaned up by the time we got there i was really? i was impressed wow very interesting so the cleanup crew gets their props at the rose bowl great job yeah. guys <laughs> but <laughs> But this is our sort of our kickoff into this Rose Bowl month, and you've uh, volunteered to come on and give us some great history of the Rose Bowl, even before it was called the Rose Bowl, and uh, so some of the early roots and beginnings, and we're interested to hear that. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I, I um, you know, I said that I've always been, loved the Rose Bowl, and actually the, the first book I wrote was, and a lot of my collecting early on was Rose Bowl, you know, related. Um and so, you know, it's the, the, the history of its evolution is always, you know, kind of fascinating to me. But, you know, it's uh, it's really 
a story of, you know, Los Angeles, the L.A. area, uh, back in the day was just, uh, you know, it was a dinky little town. <laughs> you know, there weren't many people there. But obviously, you know, had some, you know, it was a nice setting. And so, you know, Pasadena, which was north of town and connected by the railroad, they started, uh, they wanted to promote their their place, you know, their, and, you know, there were a lot of orange groves and everything out there. And so uh, by way of promoting and getting people to move there, tourists to visit, they started this thing called the Tournament of Roses in like 1890. And so, you know, that went on and on and, you know, the, kind of, again, promoting life and real estate. And uh, they eventually decided to schedule a football game associated with their annual tournament, which was always, you know, uh, January 1st, unless it was a Sunday. So they ended up uh, fairly early in the season, they invited Michigan to come out and play. And ultimately they you know, hooked them up with Stanford and that was for the 1902 game. So uh, at that point, you know, Michigan was a, powerful point a minute team under Yost and and uh, Stanford Yost had actually coached them the previous year two years before um so there was a connection there but they just weren't as strong and you know so uh you know they the two teams agreed to play but they didn't have a stadium <laughs> so they had to you know had to go through the process they bought land in town and uh, you know slapped up a stadium with box seats and everything and I think it, it held, you know, something, uh, 15,000 or something like that the first year. Uh, they called it Tournament Park, you know, because it was Tournament of the Roses. So Tournament Park. And uh, so, uh, you know, they ended up, um, they spent a bunch of money on to build the stadium. And while they made money, you know, they, they sold all their tickets and everything. That, that was great. They ran into two problems. One was that Michigan blew the doors off of Stanford. Uh, so it was 49, nothing, but they, they stopped the game early and um, it just was not a competitive game. So, and then the second thing was they spent a bunch of money on building the stadium. And so the ticket revenues and the subscriptions that they had sold uh, left them with, I think it was like 4,500 bucks in debt, which is you know big money in those days. So they ended up in a situation where it's like, okay, do we, you know, how do we make sure we don't have another blowout because then nobody's going to want to come or if we don't have a good matchup. And yet they had to service this debt. So they were in a bit of a quandary. So they, for, for 1903, they tried to schedule, um, schedule a game. Um, I'm not going to get into that because we're going to do a separate segment on that. But, you know, just to say that they tried to schedule a game, they tried to do it in a couple, couple of additional years, but, you know, things didn't work out. Um, and then you, then you had a situation where Cal and Stanford dropped football in 1906. And so, you know, there just, there just weren't many good, at least California based teams playing. So they didn't really get to play another game until 1916. Um, and by then, um, you know, some of the teams, Washington, Washington state, uh, Washington had a, a run of great teams in, in that era. Um, but in 1916, Washington had a really good team under Lone Star Deets, and um, they ended up playing, you know, playing Brown um, in the 16 game. Um, 17 was Penn and Oregon, so you're getting this kind of Northwest versus Northeast, you know, Ivy sort of thing, uh, which is really, you know, it was a neat thing. And you know, at that time, most people still saw the Ivy as the as the top teams out there. 
So to get them to come out and play was a big deal. Um, and, it, you know, it was, got a lot of national attention because, you know, hardly anybody else was playing at that time. You know, maybe some all-star teams or something here and there. But basically, it was like it was the only show, not just in town, but in the country, you know, for the most part. Um, and then we get into the war years. Um, and so military teams played in the 1918 and 1919 Rose Bowls. Again, won't, go, won't get into that too much because we'll do a separate segment on that. Um, but suffice it to say that, you know, they, they almost weren't able to, they almost didn't play them, but basically, you know, Woodrow Wilson gave the nod and said, you know, go ahead. And, and so, you know, for different reasons, they end up, ended up with some military matchups. Um, I know 1920, then it, we go back to the, the Ivy league, Harvard, uh, is playing and they, um, they played Oregon. So, you know, Oregon was, you know, really pretty top-notch team uh, back then. Um, and so after that, then then we get into this, um, you know, what I'd call kind of from 1921 to 1945. That's really where, when it became truly, truly a, like a big-time national event. You know, I mean, it had gotten lots of attention before, but – you know, you started seeing uh, more teams being willing to go out to California to play. You know, one of their early challenges was that teams just either the faculties wouldn't let, you know, the, the, the teams go out to California. You know, they thought it was commercializing football, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or in a lot of cases, that especially, the, you know, Cal and Stanford, they didn't want to play. You know, they had their seasons. They were done. And like going to Pasadena was no, you know great strokes for them. Yeah. They were already out in California. So, um, but so, you know, in the twenties is when it really started, you know, boom. And they had some great games. Cal had uh, Andy Smith as a coach. So they, you know, they were really top notch. USC was starting to, you know, which had been playing small college football before that they start becoming relevant nationally. Um and then, you know, the big thing, too, was in, in 22, they started building this new stadium, um, which was originally called the Tournament of Roses Stadium. But, you know, in the run up to the game, a, a columnist uh, kind of copied the nomenclature from the Yale Bowl and called it the Rose Bowl. And the name stuck. And so, you know, both the event and the stadium have been the, called the Rose Bowl, you know, really ever since. Hmm, very um, interesting. Yeah, you can see I'm camped out in the parking lot of the Rose Bowl. I got it behind me. In the- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and well, I should say that you know the 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 official name still remained like the East West. Uh, I forget what it was called, East West Classic or something. It was some really bizarre uh, bizarre name, and so even like all the tickets at the time, you know, had that printed on it. I don't think the Rose Bowl uh, popped up on there for, for, you know, maybe a couple decades. Um, but, you know, the so, what, you know, I was saying how it became more like nationally relevant. One of the neat things in the 20s was in 1926, that was the first year Alabama plays in the Rose, Rose Bowl. So they were the first Southern team. Um you know, Georgia Tech plays in 1929, and that's when we've got the 
they played Cal and that was the wrong way Roy Regal's, you know, game. Mm-hmm. You know, so just a, a real memorable, memorable game. You know, Navy played during the 20s. Um, you know, Columbia, an Ivy League team shows up again in 34. I mean, you know, so, but just generally, like the Big Ten didn't play Notre Dame played once uh, in like mid 20s, 24, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and the Ivies pretty much stopped coming, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, with a couple of exceptions. But, you know, the what's now the SEC and ACC, those teams were, were open and willing. Um, Nebraska, you know, plays in, in the 41 Rose Bowl. So, again, it was just a um, – it was a great event. And it was also, you know, you'd started seeing inter – sectional games being played during the regular season. So the Notre Dame USC thing got going cooking in the twenties. And, you know, so just that those kinds of matchups, um, you know, the, the Rose bowl kind of reflected that. And then, you know, kind of mid thirties, you also then see the, the sugar bowl, the orange bowl and the cotton bowl get started as well as the sun bowl. Um, you know, so that, that whole bowl season that comes from, the name of the Rose bowl. Right. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, bowl games, bowl season, all that really is a result of the Rose bowl. Yeah. I think last year, I think uh, it was uh, 42 bowl games for college uh, bowl games last year. So that shows how much has grown since then. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think ESPN NFL teams and, you know, a couple of other networks own like, 65% 65% of those games, you know, so they're pretty much made for TV. I mean, they're fun. You know, if your team goes, Hey, great. Good for you. Have fun, whatever the destination is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's most of them, it's not about the tourism thing anymore. It's, it's all about television content. So, um, and then, you know, I guess just one other thing, um, just, a minor little thing, but in, in during World War II, um, that was the only time that two teams from the same conference played in the Rose Bowl because uh, USC and Washington, due to travel restrictions, you know, for the colleges, USC and Washington played in 44. Um, so then the big news really, and so the reason I love the Rose Bowl is because in 46, uh, the Big Ten and the Pacific Coast Conference, which became Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12, um, they agreed to play one another every year. You know, they were the the two conferences that were kind of most, uh, you know, kind of other than the than the Ivies that hadn't been formed yet. They were the two conferences that uh, were, you know, kind of very more academically oriented, less commercialized, and so both of them, um, both of them played. Uh, they sent one rep and that, that was the only team that played in, in bowl games, you know, uh, from like 46 until uh, I want to say into the seventies, that was pretty much maybe as early seventies that that switched. Um, you know, so it was, yeah, I think for most of us alive today, it was, it was the big 10 and the pack 10 or eight that played. And so, you know, that's, that's still my vision of it. And, you know, 
post 2000, you start, then we start getting into national championship tournaments and that kind of stuff. So like Miami, Nebraska in 2002, uh, Oklahoma, Washington state in 2003. And then, you know, there's been several others. Um, so I, I think there's now been like five or six, maybe there's no seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven you, games you had where, USC, Texas, uh, probably about yeah. a decade ago. Yeah. yeah. That was 2006. And like 18 was George, Oklahoma. So, that, you know, there's, there's been a number of them where, you know, it's kind of, for me personally, it's kind of lost the luster. I mean, I, I just love the conference affiliation. Um, but for the general fan, uh, you know, the general football fan, it's, you know, obviously the national championship is a big deal to most people. And so it is what it is, you know, and we'll see how it all shakes out. You know, right. moving and ahead. I got a couple of questions. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't mean to spring these on you, but maybe you don't know the answer. Maybe you do. Now I take it with this starting out being the tournament of roses, uh, uh, deal, it still is the tournament of roses is sort of the organizer of it. Now I take it that, that part of California, Pasadena has a or one time or maybe still does has a large growing uh, uh, cultivation of roses. Is that, you know, I, um, I think it was kind of a uh, like a civic pride thing early on that they were um, that they kind of decorated the streets or what it planted roses in the boulevards and that kind of thing. But, uh, but other than that, I don't think there was really any, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the floats and everything were, you know, weren't necessarily roses, you know, back then and certainly now. Um, I, you know, but it, it's a much better name than Tournament of Carnations, right? Right, <laughs> so, right, yeah, Tournament of Daffodils. <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so watch it. They might have a ESPN might have a on ESPN four a, a bowl game that's a daffodil bowl or something. So we gotta watch yeah. that. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I guess my other question is. Now, you know, Keith Jackson, and maybe he's the one that, that coined it, but called it the granddaddy of them all, you know, famously. And it's still, it's got such a great association with the Rose Bowl. Where did that term come from? Was, was it uh, Mr. Jackson that started or did it come up? Yeah, I, that? I mean, as far as I know, he's the one that uh, um, that coined the term, like, you know, like you said. And um, in fact, I'm going to write something down about that. But uh you know, he was a Washington State grad. And so, you know, he was kind of part of that, you know, that culture. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he just had a way of saying certain things and whoa, Nelly and hold on and, you know, some, some of his, uh, his little slogans. But, um, you know, the granddaddy of them all, a, a number of times after he you know, came up with that phrase, it, it shows up on, you know, Rose Bowl tickets. And, uh, you know, so they, they definitely, uh, they bought into it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, listeners, let's take a pause for a second here with what we were just talking about with the granddaddy of them all, because with the magic of editing and pre-recording these podcasts, we can stop and take a look to make sure we have accurate information. And Tim has gone out and done some research on this granddaddy of them all thing. And, uh, Tim, why don't you share with us what you found on this, the history of that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't have access to the recording, so I'm not sure exactly what I said, but I think I said something like, well, yeah, sure. I think so. I assume so. Of course, Keith Jackson is the one who came up with this whole granddaddy of them all thing. And so one of the beauties of 
of, you know, and w- one of the things I really enjoy doing is looking into where did this term and where did this phrase expression originate? And it turns out it wasn't Keith Jackson at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the story is um, now, and believe me, I love Keith Jackson. And when I was, uh, you know, say 25, almost 30 years ago now, I used to go out on, I had traveled with a bunch of buddies and some of my uh, sibs, and we would go to a college rivalry football game every year. And, you know, I mean, we saw all, kind of all the great games. We did it for 20 years. And so, um, but one of the things we did all the time, we kind of catchphrase was a, a, a Keith Jackson imitation. It was hit and dropped and bumble, oh boy. Right. And you would hear that all weekend from one or the other of us. And, uh, and I wasn't the best one at that particular imitation, but anyways. So the point is, I love Keith Jackson, but, you know, you asked me that question, then I had to go back and dig into it and see, you know, what the real story was. And it turns out that the, the, the expression, um, the granddaddy of the mall, you know, at least shows up in print for the first time in like 1897. And it was kind of an expression uh, used to describe the first, the biggest, the best of something. And it could have been anything. The biggest cart, the biggest bale of hay, the biggest whatever. Um, and so it then, it first showed up in football in like 1932 when a a USC quarterback happened to be older than the norm. And so they called him the granddaddy of them all because he was older than his, uh, you know, teammates. And then it was applied to the USC, Yale, uh, USC at Notre Dame game and Harvard Yale because these were supposed to be great rivalries. Um, and then it finally gets applied to the, um, to the Rose Bowl in 1934 when Columbia upset Cal, and it was considered the top sports story of the year. And so they called it the granddaddy of them all. Now, the, the key point there in saying that is that that was 1934, and Keith Jackson was five years old at the time, right? So <laughs> I'm not sure he's the one who originated that phrase, or at least applied it to the Rose Bowl. And then there's an article in 49 that, you know, the headline says the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it starts becoming a phrase that's used in the press fairly often. And then here's really the killer to kind of prove Keith Jackson had nothing to do with this. <laughs> and it's from 1977 to 1987, so an 11-year stretch, the Rose Bowl tickets themselves had the, the expression granddaddy of them all printed on them. Right? Okay. So 11 years in a row, Granddaddy of them all on the Rose Bowl tickets. And so what year was the first year Keith Jackson broadcast a Rose Bowl game? It was 1989, two years after that 11 years stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Keith had nothing to do with I mean, for sure, he popularized it. And, and like in my mind, I don't care what these facts say. In my mind, it's still Keith Jackson, right? Right. But the facts are that, you know, you know, he was not 
he did not coin the phrase. He did not uh, align the phrase, associate the phrase with the Rose Bowl. That was done before he ever showed up. Uh, I, I think you know, so, a lot of it's just the way he would say things in his cadence and pronunciation yeah, yeah. of things. They're, they're, it's memorable. I mean, so oh, many yeah, of the things, yeah. like you said, you know, that's one of them that resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I adore the guy, you know, and he had this humble folksy, you know, kind of way of, of speaking, which is very attractive and perfect for football. Yeah. Right? Whoa, whoa, Nelly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but nevertheless, I mean, and so the only thing about it is that like, uh, there are, there are some Rose Bowl associated sites that still push this narrative that he coined the phrase, right? Well, he didn't. And sorry, those are the facts. And uh, that's it. <laughs> well, yeah. well, much, folks, as, much to my chagrin, he was not the one who, who uh, came up with that phrase. Well, that's what I mean. This is a, a great little exercise. I'm glad we could put this, this uh, spot in the middle of our, our inter original interview, because this is really seeing, uh, you know, football archaeology at work. And uh, what, what Tim does is this great research. So great stuff, Tim. And, and thanks for clearing that up with us. And uh, Yeah, well, had you not asked me that question, I would not have looked into that phrase because I already knew the answer, right? But then you asked me, and I was like, oh, I don't really know the answer, do I? So <laughs> now I do. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, we'll, we'll take you back to our original interview on the Rose Bowl. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> if you go back to the... 20s especially and 30s there were a lot of places trying to start something along the lines of a bowl game uh, they'd a lot of times they were all-star games between two different conferences or people from you know college players from this state versus that state um you know san diego had a christmas tournament in like the 20s and 25 24 that that kind of uh, time frame uh, but there were a number of them that tried and failed. And the only other one really besides the Rose Bowl that, that lasted, that, you know, from the 20s was uh, the East-West Shrine game, you know, up in San Francisco. Um, you know, so, but then, you know, once kind of the economy started turning around a little bit during the Depression, that's when, you know, the orange came in and then the, then the sugar and then the cotton. So there were attempts, but, you know, the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy um you know as far as just you know time and place <laughs> right it's, it's the the initial uh recognized college bowl game i guess of the holiday season yeah yeah so, huh, interesting interesting yeah and okay. it's actually um you know i mean pasadena is a really nice town you know lots of beautiful old architecture and so um i didn't get to see the the parade uh last year but you know definitely want to see it yeah sometime in the future just uh um, and the game itself but uh that'll have to come yeah not this year but yeah. soon got to be one of those bucket list things right very interesting indeed uh tim you have a, a great website that you you bring out some uh great football information each and every day uh, maybe you could share the name of the website and how people can get some some of your stuff. Sure. Um, so the website is footballarchaeology.com. Um, you can just you know go to the site, and the vast majority of the content on on there is is available to anyone. Uh, just 
use the little magnifying glass button or to, you know, to search, you know, by search for content or just scroll through. Um, there is some premium content. So, but if you, if you want to make sure that you, you, you get the, get access to the articles, just subscribe for free and you'll get an email every night at seven o'clock Eastern uh, with what, what I call today's tidbit, uh, you know, 30 second sort of uh, piece of content. And then, um, you know, a couple times a month, I also um, put out, you know, longer form articles. Um, and there's, you know, there's some, a couple of other things that, that I do on the site, uh, including posting these podcasts whenever I appear. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we definitely appreciate that. And we appreciate uh, you coming and sharing uh, not only football history, but this Rose Bowl history in honor of the big game uh, coming up uh, here in a real short time on its 100th uh, anniversary of the stadium. So uh, Tim Brown of uh, Football Archaeology, thank you once again for joining us. Hey, thank you, Darren. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Fleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.